Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. My name is Scott. Whether you're joining us online or in person, or if this is your first time here, we are so glad that you've joined us. So today we're kicking off a new series called The New Norm. You know, it seems everywhere you turn today, there's a new normal. There's something new to embrace. There's some new change that we're almost forced to embrace. You hear these new rules, these new ways of thinking. You hear voices that say, well, if you don't act like me and you don't think like me and you don't talk like me and if you don't vote like me and if you don't align with me, then you're, you're wrong. If you don't fit the new norm, whatever the new norm may be, it's almost as if you're out, right? So in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the things that you and I struggle with in life, really the battles that we face in our minds when these things come to us. You know, all the changes, do I agree with this? Do I not agree with this? Do I align with this? Do I not align with this? And then once you figure out where you're going to fall in that equation, then, and all right, I'm going to embrace culture, you know, in this direction, then all of a sudden culture changes and, and it frustrates us and it makes us angry. So we have to know the battles that we're going to face in life, and, and we got to know that these battles are always going to come at us. We're never going to get out of this. Culture is constantly changing and trying to pull us to a new normal. And often that new normal is in the opposite direction of where we want to take our faith, right? So it can be a real challenge for us. Look at all the division in, in our country. Anybody seen any division in our country today? Just, just a little bit, right? We're divided everywhere, and that's because not everybody aligns with whatever the new normal or the flavor of the day is. And it's not just our country. I was in the hospital visiting a friend uh, last week, and this nurse came in, and she started talking about her country of Germany. And we didn't bring it up. She brought it up just about how much division there was in her country and how divided people were. But listen, this is nothing new. Culture is going to constantly be changing, and culture is one of the enemies that we're going to have to face in our lifetime. And it seems like culture is constantly fighting to drag us in a direction that a lot of times we don't want to go. Now, that doesn't mean the new normal isn't good, but in most cases, it's trying to drag us away in a different direction than we really want to go. And it's not just culture that we struggle with in life. As a matter of fact, there's different enemies that each of us have uh, today, and culture is just one of them. And I think the key to not letting these things get the best of us is to really learn and discover who our enemies are, who our enemies are that we're going to face every day, and then how to take care of those. And how to handle those. So what I want to do today is I want to look at the different enemies in life that we face. And you probably think, well, I don't have any enemies. Everybody loves me. Listen, I'm here to tell you, and you're going to see in a minute, we all have enemies. But when it comes to facing any enemy in life, 
you have to know how to defeat your enemy, right? Any war strategy, any battle strategy, you have to know your enemy and you have to know how you're going to defeat your enemy. So that's what we're going to discover in this life. And we're going to discover why our enemies make life so hard for us and make life so difficult for us, especially when we don't align with whatever that new norm is. But the good news is the scripture defines for us who our enemies are. And it's not the person sitting beside you. So don't make eye contact with them as we go through this. But if you want to follow along with our notes today, you can scan that QR code on your seat back. If you're watching online, they'll send you a link or you can uh, obviously access that church center app on your phone for our notes. But here are our three enemies. Learning number one, my three enemies are vegetables, Peppa Pig, and cats. Okay, that's my three enemies. My three enemies are me, the world, and Satan. That's what the scripture says are our enemies. And that's not a misprint. We are our own worst enemy. You think, why would I be an enemy with myself? But listen, every single one of us is always at war with ourselves because inside of each of us is what's called a sin nature, right? We were born into sin and we're constantly battling that sin nature within us. And I'm sure you've experienced that. Maybe you had that battle on the way to church this morning with your sin nature, but we all have it. Everybody here, everybody watching, even those sweet little children that are in the kids area today, you know, the babies and everything, they have a sin nature. As a matter of fact, here's what the scripture tells us about that. Romans chapter 5 verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. How about that for an uplifting, cheery verse today? right? But the truth is that verse is saying we always have the tendency to choose wrong or to make the wrong choice. Have you, have you ever done anything wrong and, and, and you knew it was wrong, but you did it anyway? <laughs> yeah, you have. Have you ever known something was bad for you or is bad for your marriage or is bad for your job or relationship, yet you chose to do it anyway? Of course you have. We do this all the time. It's us against that sin nature. That sin nature is constantly trying to drag us away from God. The other enemy we said we have is the world. And we've talked about that a little bit in culture and in whatever the new normal is that we're supposed to embrace. Everything in our culture tries to tear us down, right? To tell us we're no good, that we don't matter, that our voice doesn't count, that our opinion doesn't count. If we don't see things the way the world sees them, if we align on a different side as the world, then, then we're wrong and we're an outcast. See, what we have to understand is all of our enemies, but especially the world, is constantly trying to steer us away from God. Watch a commercial. Watch a television show, a movie. Look at the press. Constantly trying to steer us away from God. It's a constant battle we face. It's a constant war. And then the Bible says our third enemy you're very familiar with is Satan, the devil. And listen, the devil is real. 
The devil's not just a, uh, you know, a figment of our imagination. Now, the devil is not often as the devil is portrayed in shows and movies and things like that because the devil's crafty, very sneaky, very tricky. And what happens is Satan just kind of subtly comes into our life and starts to steer us away from God in agreeing with that sin nature and trying to get us to go down paths that we probably shouldn't go down. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is a liar. But Satan is in no way, shape, or form equal to God, okay? Satan isn't anywhere close to the same playing field with God. As a matter of fact, Satan was kicked out of heaven uh, for rebellion and has every single thing to do with evil and nothing to do with good. As a matter of fact, here's what the scripture says in Ephesians 6:12: For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So our flesh is against us, the world is against us, and Satan is against us, constantly dragging us to something different that's away from God. So that's why it's so important that we understand these three enemies, right? So we can prepare for them each day of our lives. And so today, here's what I want to do is I want to focus on us because we are our own worst enemy. You know what the biggest problem with you is? It's you. It's you. The biggest problem with Scott is Scott. It's not Scott's wife. It's not Scott's kids. It's not Scott's job. It's not Scott's, you know, uh, sports teams not winning. And it's not the fact that Scott's friends scheduled weddings on the UNC game and the Notre Dame game. It's none of that. I'm not bitter about that at all. Our own worst enemy is ourselves. Satan doesn't even have to spend a lot of his time and effort and energy on me because I do a good enough job of messing up my own life. Right, And you can probably resonate with that. So we have to be prepared for these three enemies. And listen, if you're a Christ follower, and I know not everybody watching or everybody here is a Christ follower, I get that. But if you are a Christ follower, isn't it amazing how the longer you follow Christ, the more these battles come and the more these attacks come. And what amazes me is how quickly I'll drift back to my old ways how quickly I'll drift back to what's comfortable, which is often not what God wants me to do. The old habits, the old temptations, we quickly fall back to our own old ways. The good news is we don't battle alone. We're not the only ones that are going to go through this. Every single Christian faces these battles against their enemies in their life. The, probably the strongest Christian to ever walk the face of the earth was the Apostle Paul. He'd at least be in the top 10. He wrote a lot of the New Testament, started a lot of New Testament churches, and Paul writes of, uh, and talks about it how quickly we drift away and how quickly we go back to that old nature in our lives. And I want to read it to you. It's, it's quite a long passage, but it's found in Romans chapter se- uh, 7, verses 15 through 25. And I'm going to read it from the message because I think it relates so much to today. But Paul says, I'm full of myself. After all, I spent a long time in sin's prison. A lot of us could relate to that. 
What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what's best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. Paul says, for I know the law, but still can't keep it. And the power of sin within me sabotages my best intentions. I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deeply within me and gets the better of me every time. I think all of us would agree with that. And then Paul says, it happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. What's Paul doing? He is being completely transparent, open and honest, and being real about the struggles with sin that he faces. He's being honest about the frustration with these battles that constantly come on. Battles with himself, battles with culture in the world, and battles with Satan. And really what he's saying in this passage, when you and I try to please God on our own, when we try to fight these battles on our own, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. So learning number two, we need God's help if we're ever going to change. If you're ever going to change, if I'm ever going to change, we have to have God's help. We can't change on our own. We can't change just because we want to change. Sheer willpower and hard work and determination is not going to change us. We'll eventually give up and we'll eventually drift back to those old ways. And again, it's not like Paul's a brand new Christian. He's literally the strongest Christian in Rome. So there's a battle constantly going on in Paul, and it's identical to the battle that you and I are going to face every day. So we are at war with ourselves. And anytime you fight something, it gets really tiring when you try to fight alone. And Paul's saying, you know, when you try to fight these battles alone, it, it's going to be tiring. It's going to lead to all kinds of things in your life. And so what Paul says is when we try to fight alone, we're going to see things happen in our life. The first thing he, he found is he was confused, right? Confusion. When we try to fight alone, we're going to be confused. Paul said, I don't even understand myself. He says, I think one way and then I do something totally different. I act a, a totally different way. Even as strong as Paul was in the faith, he can't figure himself out. 
He's confused. So he's realizing I am my biggest problems, my biggest problem. Then he said something's gone wrong in him. And it gets the better of him every single time. So what's he doing here? He's feeling guilt. That's another thing. We'll be confused and we'll start to feel guilt because he's losing these battles that he's fighting himself. And it's the same way when you and I go at life alone, whether it's against ourselves or culture or Satan. When we fight alone, we're going to be confused and we're going to feel guilt because we're going to lose that battle. And then he said, I'm at the end of my rope. You feel like you're at the end of your rope today? Yeah. With everything going on around us, a lot of us are at the end of our rope. And he says, is there no one who can do anything for me? He's just miserable at this point. And really he's judging himself for losing these battles. He's judging himself, you know, for the sin that he's done and for the sin that he still wants to do. He keeps stumbling over and over himself. You ever judged yourself? We're great judges of ourselves, aren't we? We ridicule ourselves because we keep failing. We keep not succeeding at something that we're trying to change for good in our life. You know, when Jesus said, don't judge others, we're really good about that. I'm not going to judge my neighbor for what they're doing. I'm not going to judge those people at work. We try to keep that constantly in our minds, but Jesus was also talking about ourselves. He doesn't want us judging ourselves. He's the ultimate judge. But we judge ourselves. We say things like, oh, I'm such a terrible person. I can't believe I still have those thoughts. I can't believe I still deal with this addiction. I I still can't believe I'm struggling with this. Man, I'm no good. I'm worthless. When we start to hear ourselves judge ourselves like that and say things like that, that is a sign that we're in a a battle, in a spiritual battle. When we're confused and we don't even understand ourselves, that's a sign, Paul says, that we're in a spiritual battle. When we're starting to feel guilt because we haven't changed and we haven't improved, that is a sign we're in a battle, but it's also a sign we're battling alone. I love when he says, the moment I decided to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. You know the sin that trips us up, that trips you up, trips me up. It destroys us. It it drags us down. Because listen, it's easier to do the wrong thing, isn't it? It's easier to choose sin. Why? Sin's fun. Let's just admit that. Let's be honest about that. It's fun And pleasurable, the scripture says, for a short amount of time. But then it comes back to bite us. And then the consequences of it come in. And then once we sin and we feel terrible and we feel that guilt and we start judging ourselves because we're battling alone, then sin tries to keep us down. You know, Satan is a great deceiver. He, He tempts us until we sin. And then once we sin... What he encouraged us to do, then he's the accuser. And he steps back and goes, man, I can't believe you did that, Scott. You are a terrible person. So that sin continues to keep us down. And what does that lead to? Just frustration. Despair almost. 
We're never going to be able to do the right thing or to change with sheer willpower alone. Paul's saying if we try to do that and we try to fight these battles against these three enemies by ourselves, then we're going to quickly go back to our old way or we're just going to embrace the new norm, whether it goes with God or not. I mean, think about it. How many times have you said, I'm not going to do that anymore? I'm not going to do that anymore. And then what do we do? We do it again. It's frustrating. So learning number three, frustration in life eventually leads to discouragement. That's why we have to learn how to handle these enemies. Because otherwise that frustration that we can't get it right and we can't do good enough and we can't work hard enough, it's going to eventually lead to discouragement. And Paul's saying, I'm so discouraged because of this war with my old nature that's constantly going on inside of me. I'm fighting the battle and I'm losing it because I'm fighting it alone. He said, parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. So here's what we need to understand. You know, once you have crossed the line of faith, let's say you're here or watching and you would say, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. Once you cross the line of faith and you have a relationship with Christ and you've invited Christ into your life, you're a new person, the Bible says. And we're always talking about that in church, man, you're a new person, you're a new person, but the old person's still there. That old nature has not gone anywhere. This side of eternity, you're still going to have the old nature and the new nature. So you almost need to think of it like there's two people living inside of you. Your old nature, your sinful nature that you were born with that wants to do the wrong thing, that wants to go in a different direction. And then you've got the new nature that was given to you by Christ that wants to do the right thing and wants to follow Christ and wants to be obedient to Christ. And if you're a Christ follower, you just need to realize that that old nature is always going to be there. Even though we're a new creation, a new person, the old nature is still there. And so that's why we constantly have a battle with ourselves. It's our new nature wanting to go against our old nature, our old nature wanting to go against the new nature. So which one wins? Which one wins? The old nature The new nature, well, we like to think that the new nature is just automatically going to win, but that's not going to happen, right? The one that wins is the one that we give the most attention to. That's the one that's going to win. So if we're giving all the attention to the new nature, the new nature is going to win. But if we're giving all of our attention to the old nature, right, we're still thinking about those things and doing those things and, and going down those paths that we shouldn't be going down, that we've always gone down, then the old nature is going to win. I mean, even though I've been a Christ follower for a long time, you know, there's still my old nature that maybe wants to be greedy or, or be rebellious or, you know, be prideful. There's that old nature that wants to tell the world what they can do with their new norm, right? And, and tell the world off. It's still there. So whichever one we feed, whichever one we give the most attention to, that's the one that's going to win. And what's interesting, Paul said, knowing what Christ desires is not enough, right? Knowing the law was not enough. It's not enough to change us. Knowing what's right 
is not enough to keep us from doing wrong, right? We, we knew that we know right from wrong. We've known right from wrong from a very young age. We just still choose to go a lot of times down the wrong path. It wasn't enough to change super Christian Paul. So it certainly isn't enough to change us. And what we're going to do in the next several weeks, we'll dive into this more. But I want to talk about a couple of ways that we can start to win this battle within ourselves. The old nature versus the new nature. And the first thing we need to do, if, if you are a Christ follower, then you, get, you need to get to know Jesus better. We constantly need to be getting to know Jesus better. Because the goal from the moment that we accept Christ to the moment we die is our character should be growing closer to the character of Christ. And the more we know Christ, the more we'll know Christ's character and we'll know the things that we need to do in life. That's why spiritual growth in our life is so important, right? It's one thing to, to know Christ and to have Christ in your life, and that's great. But eventually, we got to grow in that relationship with Christ and become more and more like Christ. And listen, if you're undecided, you say, no, nah, Scott, I, I haven't crossed that line of faith. I'm not a Christ follower. I get that. I understand that. Keep asking questions. Keep challenging everything. Keep throwing rocks at everything until you decide. The good news is you don't have that new nature yet. So it's one less battle that you're going to fight between your old nature and your new nature. But you still should get to know Christ better so you can decide, am I going to accept him or am I going to reject him? The scripture says, don't be lukewarm, be hot or cold. So we got to get to that point. But if you are a Christ follower, if you're going to win these wars, these battles between your old nature and your new nature, and eventually against culture and against Satan, and we'll talk about those in the coming weeks, but if we're going to win that war, we got to take Jesus and we got to move Jesus from being a part of our life to being the heart of our life, right? He's got to be more than just an item on a list. He's got to be the central focus of our life. So he moves from being a part to being the heart of our life. So everything we do is instructed and we follow Christ in, in how we do that. I tell married couples all the time, Christ has to be the top. And then the two of you, and then your children, and then your vocation. Anytime we put Christ first and foremost in our life, everything else will work. So he has to be leading us. That's how we win the battle. At the end, Paul said, the answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. And he's talking about set us free. And then he said, he acted to set things right in this life of contradictions. And we surely live in a life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something different. Paul said, only Christ can set us free. Our spouse isn't going to set us free. Our job's not going to set us free. Uh, a 12-step program isn't going to set us free. It's going to help, but it's not going to set us free. The government certainly isn't going to set us free. Only Christ and Christ alone, Paul says, can set us free and truly give us victory over our enemies. Some people go their entire lives and they never realize this. They never come to this realization that Christ is the only one that can set us free. 
Another thing we can do after we get to know Christ better is we got to stop listening to lies. We got to stop listening to the lies. Paul said he was influenced by sin. Why? Because Satan is constantly trying to influence us through sin, and it's a lie. He's a liar. He hates your guts. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church. John, John 8, 44. But he does. John 8, 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So learning number three, we should always be getting, be questioning what we hear. We should always be questioning what we hear. I tell people all the time, don't believe what I say. You go back to the scripture and read it for yourself. Because any time we uncover a lie that Satan's telling us or a lie we're telling ourselves, it sets us free. And we lie to ourselves all the time. Satan doesn't just lie to us. He gets us a lie to ourselves. We say things like, oh, it's not really a problem. Oh, my finances, they're, they're fine. My sex life, my sexual desires, it's not an issue, right? That pornography, I've got that under control. My temper, it's not a big deal. My language, it's, it's not so bad. That secret, nah, it's nothing to worry about. We lie to ourselves all the time. So I think a great question that we should be asking ourselves right now is, you know, what am I pretending is not a problem in my life? Just think about that. Ask yourself that question. What is it I'm pretending is not a, a problem in my life? What is it I'm pretending is not a problem in my marriage? What is it I'm pretending is not a problem at work or not a problem in my friendship? What is it that I keep saying over and over, this isn't any big deal? It probably is a big deal. It's probably a lie that we've told ourselves over and over. So if we're going to win the battle, not only do we need to get Christ in our life and learn to trust Christ and to follow Christ, but we got to stop telling ourselves lies and believing the lies that we're told. I think something else we can do is to get somebody else involved when we're struggling. Let's say you're being tempted right now or you're, you're steeped in, in something that you know is bad. You know it's sinful. You know it's wrong, but you're steeped in it. Get somebody else involved. Talk to somebody about that. I'm not saying post it for the world to see, but get someone you can trust that has your back and sit down and tell them what you're struggling with. And this is biblical. Listen to James 5.16. Confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Not too long ago, somebody came to me and they opened up about a temptation that they were struggling with. And they were going down a dark hole of sin. And they had convinced themselves that it was okay. They had justified it in their mind. I'm going to do this because I'm, I'm comfortable doing it. I feel like this is the right thing to do. And I mean, literally, they were going down a dark hole of sin. And they, they just came to me and they opened up their heart and they shared that. You know what I told them? You're going to burn in hell. No, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell them that. You know what I told them? 
I told him the consequences of them making that decision. Hey, here's the collateral damage that you're going to do on the back end if you make this decision and you go down this path. These are all the things that are going to happen. This is what's going to happen to your marriage. This is what's going to happen to your kids. This is what's going to potentially happen in your job. And they didn't see any of that. Isn't that the way it is? Often when we're enticed away, we don't see the consequences until after the fact. We don't even think about the consequences. You know what they did? They turned from They did not make this decision. They beat the temptation, so this stuff really works. So get somebody in your life that you can trust, that you have full confidence in, and share it with them. And I think most importantly, you know, getting to know the Lord better, getting somebody else involved, stop believing the lies, but most importantly, let the Lord lead our life. You know, when we accept Christ, we get a deposit guaranteeing us, and it's called the Holy Spirit. That's the part of God that lives in us, that guides us, that leads us, that directs us. We have to follow the Holy Spirit. Because often when we're being attacked, we know because the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we just choose to go in a different direction. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. When we walk by the Spirit, in other words, we let the Lord lead our life, we're not going to gratify the desires of our flesh. So Paul's really showing us in this passage we looked at today that we can't battle ourselves alone, much less these other ones we'll talk about later. We cannot battle that old sinful nature on our own. The Holy Spirit has got to be the driving force in that. That's the difference maker, allowing the Holy Spirit in our life, but then following the Holy Spirit and listening to the Holy Spirit. So we've got tools, practical tools that we can use to win the fight against our old nature. But these tools aren't going to do us any good if we don't use them, especially the Holy Spirit. We have to let Christ live in us. But not just live in us, but live through us. Because he's going to direct us. And the Holy Spirit's going to help us with things that we don't have the strength to handle on our own. Let's pray together. God, we we acknowledge that we've got all the best intentions in the world. God, but we constantly fail because we're trying to do things on our own. Thank you for Paul's honesty and his words That makes us feel like we're not some outcast because we're struggling with the same things. That it's a struggle we're all going to face. God, thank you that we know now who our enemies are. That we're our own enemy. The world can be an enemy and Satan's definitely our enemy. Help us just to start this week to win that battle within ourselves. To give more attention and time and focus to our new nature to you. Help us to see your character and become more like you. Lord, help us to challenge the lies that we've believed, the lies that we've told ourselves for years and years that it's okay, it's not a problem. Help us to be real honest about that this week and challenge those things. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Thank you that you love us. In Christ's name.
Amen. Amen. All right, before we finish up today, here's what I want to do. I want to uh, watch a baptism video. Now, this is from 2019. If you remember our summer baptism last year, they decided to let out Crater Lake and it was, the New River was at flood stage, so we had to move it in here. So this is from 2019. But our outdoor summer baptism is next Sunday from 1 to 3. We'll have hot dogs. We'll have snow cones, but I want to encourage you to either come out and be baptized or celebrate with those that are taking their next right step in baptism. We'll also celebrate child dedication for those parents dedicating their children. So let's watch this and then we'll close. One question we get a lot of times about baptism. Again, it's our public profession of faith. That's where we tell the world, hey, I'm a follower of Christ. It's after you've invited Jesus into your life. And it's something Christ calls us to do. But a question I get a lot of times is, well, Scott, I was baptized as an infant. Do I need to be baptized again? And, and what I would say is you need to be baptized after salvation, after you've made the choice to follow Christ. That in no way, shape, or form undermines our infant baptism if we were baptized as an infant. I mean, think about it. Your parents had you baptized in faith, hoping and praying that someday you would grow up and follow Jesus. So it's really kind of bringing that full circle. So I want to encourage you, if you've never been water baptized, you can sign up on that electronic connection card, or you can simply stop by the information table this morning and, and sign up to do that. It, it, it's painless and it's a show of faith. It's our next right step in the faith journey. And then if you're a parent and you want to dedicate your children to the Lord, we're going to do that next Sunday as well. Well, what, is, what does that mean, Scott? It means that as a parent, you say, hey, I'm going to raise these children in a Christ-centered home, and I'm going to show them what Christ looks like, and I'm going to teach them about Christ so that hopefully someday they invite Jesus into their life. And so if you want to join those parents that are having their children dedicated, you can sign up for that at the information table as well. There's a car show this after, I think it's this afternoon. One of our growth groups is having a car show here at the church. I encourage you to come out to that. Uh, they're going to have a lot of vendors here, and it's to support our veterans, uh, Vittles for Veterans. So if that's something you want to come look at some cool old cars, then that'll give you something to do this afternoon. But thank you so much again for being here. I hope you have a terrific Sunday afternoon and a great week. God bless you guys.